What's up, everybody? Listen, listen, we got a mashup today. Yes. My good friend, Lisa (laughs) Childers. I don't know if we ever made a name for our mashup shows. I think we called them Childers stuff, maybe. I love it. That works. Was that? Yeah. I think that's what it was. Um, But it's great to to be talking with you again. I think this kind of started because we're both very passionate about this issue we want to talk about today, Christian music. Obviously, you were involved in Christian music. I'm involved in Christian music. And it looks like you're kind of getting back involved in Christian music again. I don't know if you want to say something about that. Yeah. Ish, you came out with your new song recently, which is so cool. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I just, you know, over the course of the last 10 years, I have gone back to the piano time and time again just to worship. And even a lot of times when I had some sort of overwhelming thing happening, I would just sing biblical truths to encourage my own spirit. And so I never thought I'd record all those songs, but I've just done it. I've recorded a five-song EP that's coming out, no label. We're not going through, you know, the the typical channels of CCLI. Churches can use the music in their churches for free. And um, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it, but that's up at alisachilders.com slash music. Yeah, yeah, good. We got to plug that. I like it. So basically in the last week, I don't know if it's been more than a week, Elisa, but I see that you got in some, um, you got in some, some sweet social media, what do you call it? Battle, battle. Me? Zone. Me? <laughs> yes. With, uh, with your stuff for Flamey Grant. And, you know, I did an episode last week that I called um, uh, the rot in Christian music, I think is what I called it. And yeah. So there's this big controversy that's happened. And I think that me and you should talk about it a lot. I think we're both pretty on fire about it. We're pretty fired up about what's going on right right now. So maybe we start there and explain to people what's going on. Yeah. Well, I'll start with a little bit of my history. So when I was in Zoe Girl, that was 1999 when we signed with Sparrow Records. Now, at that time, Sparrow Records was a Christian record label. And almost immediately after we signed with Sparrow, our contract got sold to EMI. And this was a secular company in New York. And then over there, I think my checks come from Capital now. My let me let me be clear, my 18 cent royalty checks <laughs> that uh, you know, it's not it's not for the glamorous life, but um, you know, Capital was then who bought that. So immediately when the Christian labels, they started selling their entities to secular labels. And I don't know, I didn't have much experience with the contemporary Christian music industry before that point. So most of my experience was after they had been sold to these secular companies. And so ultimately, I think what people need to realize about the CCM industry in general is, first of all, I'm not saying everybody in the industry is evil or there's some wonderful people in the industry, wonderful wonderful artists. Our friend Jeremy Camp is one of those great artists in, in CCM. But the industry itself, the infrastructure is secular. So there are you know higher ups that have to be appeased as far as the bottom line, how much money they're making, how this can be marketed for for mass appeal. And so the deals, the way the deals are are organized are, I just think, really unfair. I think it's it's something where, like, for example, with Zoe Girl, we sold, um, I think, I don't want to exaggerate this, but I mean, hundreds of thousands of records, at least. I know our first album went gold for sure. And yet we've never recouped our our album because of the way the deals are structured. Now, you know, I signed the deal, so I'm not, you know, blaming anybody, but it's just the way that it is. The way that it works is very much for a profit kind of ministry isn't going to be able to be at the forefront, even if somebody were to want it to be. And so now we've come to the point where 
we're seeing Christian, quote unquote, Christian music artists come out affirming of LGBTQ+, affirming of all sorts of things that are not historically Christian ideas. And I think it's left a lot of people confused thinking, why is CCM music promoting some of this stuff? And so hopefully we can help flesh that out a little bit. But maybe you can help us with some of the recent history. There have been a few kind of popular deconstruction stories, a few things that have happened in the industry that have made headlines. Obviously, you've made headlines. Um, and so what's going on in CCM? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think a good place to start is this. I mean, absolutely, the, the, the industry is broken. It is absolutely broken. Now, that doesn't mean that people aren't making money. <laughs> uh, there's money being made. But yeah. in terms of what your typical Christian music listener expects, this industry is broken. And I will just say, not just with Christian music, but with the church at large. And I don't think I'm being alarmist to say this. We are getting our butts handed to us. The mm. devil is the devil is just kicking our teeth in every single day. If I was the devil, I would just be laughing because he doesn't even have to do much because the church, we are so stupid and we are so ignorant and we are so naive. All the devil has to do is just let Christians who, who people who claim the name of Christ, who obviously, I, I'm not in a good mood today, so let's just say it obviously don't understand the Bible. They have yeah. no idea what they're talking about, but they will get on and they will blast you on social media. They listen to all the wrong people. Mm. They listen a lot of the times to just literally, literal apostate yeah. people, people that used to believe in Christ, no longer believe in Christ, and they have now given their lives to tearing down the church of Jesus Christ I don't know why Christians listen to these people, but if I'm the devil, I'm just patting myself on the back because we are just crushing ourselves from the inside out. The devil doesn't even need to do anything. He doesn't even need to do much deception. He doesn't even need to do much because the church has zero is exerting zero power in, in the earth, and it's incredible. That is happening in Christian music the same. So what you have, there's, of course, a lot of deconstruction stories. The latest thing has happened because of this, and this is what I shared on my podcast. All right. There's a guy called this is the reason this is the reason it got so much heat within the last 10 days. Let's say there's a guy called Derek Webb. Derek Webb used to be the singer for Caveman's Call and uh, used to be someone that talked a lot about theology in his songs. Derek went apostate. All right. So he denied the name of Christ. He is an atheist. He calls himself a hopeful atheist. He is on staff at a progressive church. And he uses the Bible to deconstruct Christianity in hopes to draw people away from the faith. That's what he does, all right? And so you saw for some reason that I, escapes me, a lot of Christians that listen to Derek Webb. I have really have no idea why, but that's what happens. And so Derek Webb um, decided that he would team up with a drag artist called Flamey Grant. I read this on my podcast last week, but for people watching uh, that did watch my podcast last week, I did receive a comment from somebody saying, dude, John, you didn't even talk about Flamey Grant on your podcast. And I guess I forgot to. And the reason is Flamey Grant is a quote, a, a air quotes, Christian drag artist. All right. So it's a dude that dresses up like a woman and the whole thing. And I guess I didn't talk much about it because 
in my view, it, it's sort of like, does it deserve to be talked about? It's so stupid. There's no such thing as a Christian drag queen. That's, that's an, it's an absurdity from the beginning. So I just assumed that it didn't need to be talked about. But Flamey Grant got a lot of promotion because Derek Webb um, did a video and the song with Flamey Grant where Derek Webb gets dressed up in drag. And so Derek Webb came out to all of his social media saying, oh, seeing myself as a woman was so much joy. And it's the other. So in respect to Derek, I don't know what his drag name is. So I'm going, I call him now Derricka Webb because out of respect, because he needs a drag name if he's going to do drag and, and it's bringing a grown 50 year old man to tears to experience the joy of dressing like a woman. So you got Derek Webb, then you've got Plum, who is a Christian artist. A lot of people don't know who Plum is now, but she was a popular artist in the 90s and a little after, who has gone full LGBT's awesome. And now that I love Jesus more than I've ever loved Jesus before, I've embraced LGBT and that makes me a better Christian than all of you, that sort of thing. So she's then in a picture. So all of this is going around. It got promoted. Um, church leaders did an article on it. Sean Foyt, who is a kind of Christian worship leader, um, tweeted it out. It became a big viral thing. And then NRT, which is New Release Tuesday, wrote an article saying basically uh, every single week we're covering new Christian music. And every single week I have to stop promoting certain artists because they are, it's so deconstructed. It is so sexual. It is so uh, drag queens. Uh, it's so antithetical to the gospel. What is going on in Christian music? And that's where we're at. You, of course, went on your Insta and you did this thing. Flamey Grants people came against you. And I'm, I'm about to give you the microphone here, but I, I got to say my favorite comment to you, Elisa, do you mind if I read my favorite comment to you? Please, please. This is a guy on Insta called the Ron Rourke. That's R-O-A-R-K, if you would like to find him. He says to you, a terrible, tacky, gimmicky former Christian recording artist. And boy, you did not age well, Lisa. So here's what I did today. You always know you're winning an argument when people go after the way you look. But listen. That's true. I want to show you a picture of Ron's profile. This is Ron. So I'm just saying he was without sin. <laughs> oh, John. I, I have to go there. I want people to watch the video because this guy looks like he came straight from a, an ad for Huggies. He looks like a baby with a white fake beard. And I'm just saying, this is what you get. Every time somebody makes fun of the way you look on Instagram, you go and you look and you go, oh, I see. I see what's happening. So if you live in a glass house, you know what, it, you know what they say, don't throw stones. John. I had, I had to, okay. Elisa. Well, I appreciate your, your defense, <laughs> but I will ask my people, please don't go find this person and harass them. Let's everybody oh, no, take a moment. Don't do that. Pray for them. But um, yeah, so that would so that was an interesting thing that that happened. So when I saw that this uh, drag artist had gone to the top of the Christian iTunes charts, well, as a you know, as a Christian artist, well, formerly in the industry, now not in the industry, I, I knew what was going on. So, you know, the thing I pointed out on Instagram is that I think a lot of these things, this happened with another artist, uh, Selma, I believe was the name of the artist who is uh, like an open, openly gay artist who went to the number one of iTunes. I think that happened before. And I just wanted to kind of 
lift the lid off of how that works a little bit, uh, especially with iTunes. Anybody can upload music to iTunes. And then when you upload your music, you have to select a category or a genre. And all you have to do to be in the Christian genre is select Christian when you upload your music. And so I used the example of Beyonce. If somebody like Beyonce, uh, you know, uploaded music and put the Christian category, I mean, she would dominate the Christian category, right? Because she sells so many records. And then, of course, when you have um, a drag queen who is saying, I'm a Christian, you're going to get a very broad reach with that. That's going to be lauded by the culture at large. You know, you're redeeming Christianity, all these bigoted, hateful Christians who, you know, according to them are against people and things like this. And so I was just pointing out, it's kind of a big nothing burger because it just means that this person uploaded their music in the Christian genre. And then a lot of people, you know, probably supported it right away and it kind of probably flooded it up to the top of those Christian charts. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a classically Christian record label who goes through the traditional Christian channels. But even with that said, John, I think you made such an interesting point earlier because the the contemporary Christian music industry is has been corrupt for a very long time. And again, that's not to say that there aren't some really great people in the industry, but John, I remember back when I first signed with my record label, they they hired a media training specialist to teach us how to do interviews and how to handle tough questions and things like that. And I remember specifically, and this was 1999, in 1999, we were specifically instructed to not answer any question about sexuality. If somebody said, you know, do you believe homosexuality is a sin or does the Bible promote it or does the Bible teach that it's a sin? We were specifically instructed right there in the offices of our record label, do not answer that question. Uh, just divert to something else or just say, that's not for me to decide, that's for God to decide. We were given pat answers to give to that question way back then. And I remember way back then going, well, heck no, I'm not gonna not answer any any question that God has spoken on. And now I never was asked that. That really wasn't the question people were asking. This was right at the height of purity culture. So people would ask the female artists, like, are you a virgin? You know, so we were really prepared <laughs> for that question. But um, I remember somebody asking, I think it was Michelle Toombs, if she was a virgin, but she, she was married with like some kids and she was like, yeah, no, <laughs> I'm not. But uh, yeah, so, you know, it depends on what what the the media is all about these days. But I mean, John, for me, my heart has just been breaking to see the slide in contemporary Christian music. I mean, the, the Flamey Grant thing, that's sort of a big publicity stunt that was done. I get it. Big publicity stunt. It worked. But what grieves me even more is that you have established Christian labels that have been around for 20, 30, 40 years who are now saying, no, we're going to stand by our artists who are going against the historic gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's one of the things I was hoping that you could bring out for my viewers if they didn't listen to your podcast is it was so heartbreaking to me the response of some of the Christian labels when people were asking them hey what about for example Plum or somebody else who's come out in favor of LGBTQ plus and and they defend the artist could share a little bit about that because you did the research on that yeah, I think you're right. I mean, my experience uh, of being in the Christian music industry is a little different than yours because we were never signed in the beginning to a major label. We were on a very small indie label. So it was sort of, of different. But I can extrapolate 
exactly what you just said about labels saying, hey, if they ask you this, don't answer, <laughs> don't answer yeah. X, Y, or Z, whatever you do, you know, uh, pivot. That's that's one of the things they like, pivot the question. Um, and, but I will extrapolate that and just say, what this moment is revealing to us is that that's what, I hate to say it, but that's what Big Eva is doing. How many Big Eva leaders have you heard answer the question about same-sex marriage or homosexuality? And, and the answer isn't, yes, this is against God's law. The answer they give is, it's not God's best. They do things like this. They, they think that they can find a way for the world to like them as long as they just change the language enough to where you're like, oh, okay, so you're not saying it's wrong. It's just not like the best thing. And so I think the moment we're in, I, I totally agree with you about the nothing burger. You know, I said that in an article I did that with NRT that just came out. They said, John, should 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 the church be concerned about this? We've got to drag artists. I say, well, of course we should be concerned, but we don't need to be alarmist. This isn't going to go anywhere in actual you're not going to go to to a music fest, Christian music festival, and be sharing the stage with drag queens. That's not going to happen. That's not really in the industry. However, what is super duper alarming is the amount of people in the Christian industry that are now coming against people who are against the idea of a Christian drag artist. And that's where that's where we're at right now. So, um, like uh, the NRT article that came out. I mean, people are really, really upset. You've got people in the industry, and I'm, and I'm now. These are people who claim to be Christians, so this isn't just like, like now. A lot of Christian labels are owned by huge conglomerates, and the people at the top. Yeah, you know, I'm sure they're not saved. They probably just New York people that think they can make money, and they bought out Christian labels. I'm talking about people that have been working in the Christian industry for 20, 30, 40 years. Okay, these are radio promoters, yeah. and if people people don't know what a radio promoter. All that means is that. I'm going to work a song to radio and I hire you or you work at my label, say you and your job is to call up the radio stations, call up Caleb and say, hey, how about that new skillet song? You know, work it. I mean, these guys really want to minister and blah, blah, blah. So they, they, they speak the language. They speak God language. They speak Christianese, if you will, and Christian language and in reaching the poor and reaching the lost. They, they use all of our vocabulary. But all of a sudden, when it comes out, and NRT says, what's going on in Christian music? We have worship bands singing the F word in their song. How is yeah. this possible? And all of a sudden you have Christian radio promoters. Some of their arguments consisted of this, and I'm not exaggerating. Go back and listen to my show, people. I read some of the actual uh, quotes, but they basically consist of this. Some people use the F word in their songs because they're actually trying to reach the lost. And you... Christian music listener that are upset that they're using the F word, you just need to be comfortable to know that there are some Christian bands that aren't just going to stay in the church. They're going to go outside your four walls and you need to get comfortable with evangelism. That's basically what they're saying. And then they say, well, Jesus, the guy answers, says, well, Jesus, he didn't say the F word, but his F word was eating with prostitutes and sinners. And so basically Christian worship artists or bands or whoever who use the F word now are probably more like Jesus than people who just sit around in their churches being legalistic, not singing the F word. So then you had, you have people making the arguments for the drag stuff and the, it, some of it is the weirdest, it, it's the weirdest stuff you've ever seen. I think the thing that made me really, really sad was when Plum, the, the uh, Christian artist Plum basically says, Hey, 
I embrace the joy of LGBT, blah, blah, blah. And I love Jesus more now than I ever have. I'm closer to God than I ever have been. And the reason it breaks my heart is because this, what she means, she doesn't know she means, but what she actually means is this. I have decided to make up a new Jesus that I like better. And frankly, that new Jesus would think like me. (laughs) And so I finally found a God that I can worship and be even closer to, which is myself. When I look at Jesus, I see myself and now I'm closer to him than ever before. So these are things that happen with with Christian artists. Another, uh, well, there's just so many of these stories. It's actually it's actually getting so insane to keep up. I was going to read this and I'm, and I, I won't mention the name because, uh, you know, I don't want to be mean to anybody. And I know Elisa doesn't want me to, even though I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get a pitchfork here. So this is somebody that commented to you. They're mad at you, Elisa, for what you said about the idea of a Christian drag. She says, it's time to stop gatekeeping who gets to consider themselves a Christian artist. It's not okay to have some kind of secret club and qualifications because that's not what Jesus did. I hope I never played your music on the radio. So this is another person that was formerly working in radio. Yeah. Worked in Christian radio. And so this is the kind of stuff that you're hearing all the time. And this is why I say the devil doesn't even need to do anything. Yeah. He doesn't need to do anything because Christians do not know the wor- the word of God. Yeah. And we have no idea about worldview and and that sort of thing. Well, what's so ironic about that comment, because that one stood out to me too, because that's obviously an industry insider, is that it's so hypocritical, the comments. I mean, it, let's all just apply some critical thinking to this stuff, because if you come against somebody and say you shouldn't be against something because that makes that means you're a self-appointed gatekeeper, well, that's exactly what the commenter is doing. They're gatekeeping. Right. <laughs> exactly like what they're accusing me of doing. So everybody, let's just all just get honest. We're all going to stand for what we think is right and true, right? And um, I, I wanted to, to, you brought up the phrase Big Eva a, a minute ago, and I haven't talked a lot about that on my podcast. I know you've talked about it more on yours, but I'd love to introduce my, you know, the people that are watching from my platform to that phrase if they're unfamiliar with it. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but Carl Truman wrote uh, an article, like, what is Big Eva and why does it matter? And it's basically, you know, Big Eva would be like the, and this is something I even try to be aware of, John, as I create content and stuff, is not to get too chummy with big platforms because I just don't know where everybody's going. I don't know what their motivations are, uh, you know, and so Big Eva would be, in my view, and maybe you, I'd love to hear what how you would define it, but it's kind of like the idea of these huge coalition type platforms. Like I'm thinking things like maybe the gospel coalition or another, something like that, that kind of controls the narrative of certain things. And listen, there's gospel coalition puts out some great stuff. I'm not saying that they're terrible. I've written for them in the past, but there does seem to be this sort of like, you don't get out of line. If you're in with one of these big, big Eva kind of platforms, you fall in line with your tribe and you're not really allowed to kind of get outside of that. And I may yeah. be wrong about that, but that's kind of how I feel about it. That's why I don't I don't ever want to just get too, I'm not a joiner. You know, my friend Krista always says, you're not a joiner. I'm like, I'm not going to join your thing. Whatever your thing is, I'm not going to, what I'm just not <laughs> going to join your thing. I'm just going to do what I'm doing and I don't want to join your thing. But yeah, it's um, really funny. Yeah. yeah so, you, so when you, you say Big Eva, what are you want talking to join my thing when I was talking about this guy? What's wrong? I didn't want to join that. Um, I, want, you, I want that guy to get saved. I want, I want him to feel the love of Jesus. 
<laughs> oh, I like you, Lisa. Okay. So, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Big Eva, I've not read that Carl Truman, but the idea is basically the reason they say big at the front is, is the same reason that people say um, big tech you know, big mm. business, big pharma. It, it's sort of a, it's a sort of a way to say that something is a regime. So big Eva is in Eva sense for evangelicalism. So big Eva is sort of these regime elites. They are sort of the cultural managers. I would say that mm. they are a little bit like how you see, how you see um, somebody like Tony Fauci would be sort of an elite cultural manager for big pharma, right? Mm. We'd all agree on that. And so you have these kind of gatekeepers and you have to make those people happy. They sort of, they sort of give us the direction for who we're going to be. And so Big Eva can be a coalition like the Gospel Coalition, Nine Marks or something like that, which is a, a group of people coming together to then sort of almost like influence pastors. I would say that's what that's what TGC kind of is. It's sort of a it's a platform where pastors who want to know what do I think about pick an issue, climate change. Let's see what TGC has to say because these are pastors influencing pastors, okay? And but but it also can be individual leaders. And so the idea is that Big Eva very much is groupthink and very much needs to all be on the same page. And they have decided, and this is why I just go to war with Big Eva. I can't stand it. This is they have decided that they know what's best and what's best is for Christianity to present a new kind of, of evangelicalism. Like to a, the third world. Way, a, third a third way, a third way. Yes. It's like find the balance right in the middle of the two things, but the balance isn't always the right thing. Exactly. You know, I like, think that's yeah. exactly right. It's the third way, but their third way always, always never really offends the liberal whether we're talking about political left or even theological left, um, they 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 push left and they punch right. If there's anybody that mm. on the right end that's conservative or that seems a little too mean um, or a little too harsh, they don't like that. And so what they have done, and I and and you know me, I don't mind naming names. I named it an article. What they have done are things like this. It's like um, J.D. Greer, who is the former president of the SBC. A couple of years ago, he got in a lot of hot water because he was preaching, and he was quoting actually another big evil leader, Jen Wilkins, um, saying that we need to shout about what the Bible shouts about and whisper ab about what the Bible whispers about. And the Bible shouts about materialism, but the Bible whispers about sexual immorality. Mm. And so I was talking to a friend recently who knows J.D. Greer, and I was complaining. I was like, well, dude, what about this? And he's like, I'm telling you, he's not like that. He doesn't even believe that. And I say, well, why did he say it? And he's like, well, He's trying to reach the masses. It's like it's almost like they're trying to create new language to to reach people that basically says all oh, you conservative people on the right holding to your quote historic doctrines and you're so mean, you're coming across so poorly that we're going to pendulum swing and we're going to say things that we don't even quite believe because who knows it might work and we may reach more people. So they spend their time embracing leftist ideas politically, theologically, so on and so forth, especially culturally. And that actually applies a lot with J.D. Greer, unfortunately, because he's pro-BLM, pro-hashtag Me Too, et cetera, et cetera. And they embrace that. And then if anybody comes and says, <laughs> no, that's not right, and here the Bible says this, 
they will really get on them. You know, they did the same thing to me. And as you well know, in 2021, when I made my comments about deconstruction, yeah, all of Big Eva kicked into gear to write they articles yeah. about why deconstruction might, it might not be a great thing. Sure, there are some bad elements, but all you people scream about deconstruction. You're not being like Jesus. Your attitude yeah. is bad. You're like the Pharisees. You're the legalist. So Big Eva, in, in my view, is a very huge part of this problem because what has happened is filtered down to lay people. And now lay people begin to think the way that these articles are. And they they and when they see somebody stand up for truth, they go, well, you can't necessarily say that because that sounds a lot like gatekeeping. And, yeah. and, and, and you're trying to keep people away from Jesus. And they just don't make, they make categorical er errors constantly. And the truth yeah. is, is the last thing I'll say, all of these big Eva types is what I call them, the regime leaders. They're all smart. And I can guarantee you they are a lot smarter than I am. They, I believe they intentionally make categorical errors because they are trying to win favor with the more left side of people's thinking. And it's not helpful. And then what you get are people in the Christian music industry mm. that, that should know full well that there is a very big difference between saying that somebody who's a drag queen could never, ever come to Jesus. Jesus would never accept a drag queen. Of course, Jesus would accept a drag queen into his kingdom. Yes. They, they make a dumb categorical error between yeah. that and between saying we are endorsing the idea that you can be a Christian drag queen. Everybody right. knows that. That's what happens. Yeah. Well, I think that's such an important distinction to make. And for anybody who's listening to this, who might be thinking like, why are you so against people? We're not against people, we're actually for people, which is why we're against the lies that seek to ensnare people. And Jesus' invitation for salvation, repent and believe the gospel is extended to everyone. But the same expectation is on everyone. We are called to repent from whatever, whatever it is, and turn to Christ and lay down all of our self-conceived identities and sin struggles and everything. Lay that down, follow Jesus. And so it's actually because we love people and are for people that we want to fight against the lies that seek to ensnare them. But I have a lot to say about all of that. So I, I'm trying to think of where to go first. Let me first comment on the J.D. Greer thing. Just as a point of clarification, when he cited Jen Wilkin, my understanding is that she didn't say that it's it shouts about, it whispers about sexuality. He took a comment that she had written about creation or something going off of R.C. Sproul. And he's, as far as I understand, he's the one who applied it to sexuality. So I don't think that came from her. And he did say that he agreed that it was a clumsy thing to say or whatever. So just, you know, just to give all, all that, uh, all sides of the story there. But to your point, though, how, I think your question is really the key one. How could that even come out of, of a pastor's mouth who sees what's happening in culture? And is, is how, how can we not see how important it is to be clear and bold about these things. And and then to the B Big Eva comment, I did want to read a bit of what uh, Carl Truman had written because it's, of course, he's Carl Truman. He can write so well. And he just, he's, you know, because words and Carl Truman and words. But he says this, what Big Eva has done is create an economy of power, people, and indeed money, which is non-ecclesiastical, but highly influential within evangelical churches. It is a populist movement of tremendous influence and minimal accountability. It provides an identity for its most passionate 
acolytes. I think that's the word. I might have to Google that word. <laughs> and because it promises rewards to individuals and organizations, influence students and platform, it is both very hard to criticize and functionally unaccountable to any but its own. And I think that what we see with Big Eva is that it, it maybe unintentionally falls back into cancel culture because it's like you kind of have to stay in line with the narrative of whatever Big Eva is saying. And if people, if this is a new concept for people, um, just ask yourself, you know, if, if you're, if you're, if something happens in culture and you think, oh, I need to hop on over to such and such a platform to see what I'm kind of supposed to, how I'm supposed to process this, that's probably a, a sign that you might be unintentionally influenced by Big Eva. But how that would relate with Christian music is that it's kind of like this big Eva of its own. It's it's not accountable to a particular church. And we talked about this on the deconstruction podcast that we did together. There's no accountability for artists, at least back when I was in the industry. I don't know if that's changed. I hope that it has, but there was absolutely no accountability as far as what your life should look like or what would be expected of you morally, um, care for your soul, you know, there was just none of that, none, none of it at all. It was just come on, you know, get back out there and make sure you you make your show and make your make sell those records, you know. And I, I hate to sound so jaded, but if I'm honest, I kind of am. I'm kind of jaded about the Christian music industry because it was such a bad experience as far as just the corruption within it. And um, I like I said before we went on there, I just, I just, I just want to burn the whole thing down, not because of a personal vendetta. But because it's kind of like David, when you see the big Philistine, who, how dare you speak against the 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 armies of the God of Israel? You know, it's like this is this is something that is a battle that people may not even realize is going on, and it's a spiritual battle because the church is going to be influenced by the music that it listens to. Artists have always been ahead of the culture curve. What you listen to, what your artists and musicians are saying today, is what you'll be saying tomorrow. And so there's such a big influence, I think, coming in from Christian music. I want to take a moment and tell you about one of today's sponsors, which is Good Ranchers. That's American meat delivered right to your door. Almost all the meat that we eat in our home now comes from Good Ranchers, and I am so thankful for Good Ranchers. It comes right to our door, frozen, ready to go in the freezer, and thaw out when we're ready to cook a meal. Made meatloaf the other day with this wonderful ground beef from Good Ranchers. My family said it was the best meatloaf I've ever made, so thank you, Good Ranchers, for that. But this is a great time to consider subscribing to Good Ranchers because because right now, you're going to get two years of free ground beef. That is an amazing offer. Did you know that most of the ground beef that you buy from the stores is made of meat scraps? It's imported from other countries. But Good Ranchers ground beef comes from cows that are raised with no, no hormones, no antibiotics ever. These are all from small American family farms, and it is so good. So you're going to get two years of free ground beef if you sign up with Good Ranchers today. You can go to GoodRanchers.com. Use my code, Alisa, to get $25 off your box plus that two years of free ground beef. Again, that's GoodRanchers.com. Use my code, Alisa, for $25 off your first box. Mm. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, I, I don't know. I wouldn't know how to, to, to fix any of that, but it certainly it certainly is the case that expectation wise, so for like for Skillet, we were always considered by my church to be sort of sent out uh, by my church. So 
so the, the record labels and the industry's got kind of nothing to do, I guess, with my situation or my spiritual growth or spiritual well-being. And so I think I think that some of that is because I think not all artists really have a church home, accountability, pastors, mm-hmm. spiritual authority, and and you know, this, that, and the other. I think that that's um, that's part of it, but I, I was going to say something else and I, I totally forgot what I was going to say. It was going to be good. I'm sure of that. I'm sure it's great. <laughs> uh, and all of a sudden I, I can't, oh, I know what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's also indicative of this, that it's just that 20 years ago, 30 years ago, there was just a lot more agreement in mm-hmm. Christianity in general about what Christianity was. And so I think that it's a little indicative of the time we're in where there really is no agreement about I shouldn't say there's no agreement. There is the historic faith, but larger and larger swaths of of the Christian church in America are rejecting these historical elements, especially when it comes to social and moral issues. So now what you're having is none of us really kind of agree on stuff. So how is anybody going to have any sort of accountability there? And that's a real problem. So I think the Christian music, that's why I always say the Christian music thing really irritates me. It's upsetting. It's frustrating, but it's really a microcosm of what's happening in the church. And that's why I hammer on some of these, some of these leaders. So, so often is that how in the world are you going to expect some Christian, some 23 year old Christian artists to make a stand on and, and going back to my uh, J.D. Greer comment or whoever, uh, um, and I didn't I didn't know the Jen Wilkin thing. I don't know uh, about, excuse me, the, I think you said R.C. Sproul. I find that very hard well, to she, see, but I'll look into that. She said something like, um, we should shout where scripture shouts and be silent where scripture is, is, or whisper where scripture whispers. That was something she was getting from R.C. Sproul, but I believe J.D. Greer is the one. Who oh, understood. That makes yeah. more sense to me. Yeah, okay, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Okay, so maybe then the Wilkins not the one to throw in the bus. So, but yeah, yeah, I but but I will say for me, how do you expect a 23 year old worship leader to make a stand for biblical sexuality when our biggest, most important influential church leaders will say things like that. It's a stupid thing to say. And I don't believe that they do it. I don't think they're like, yeah, sorry, it got away from me. I don't think that they're, they're that dumb. I think they're actually quite smart. I think they say what they need to say in order to get to an end that they think is good, which is we got to make people understand how much we love them. And if we have to caress the truth a little bit, then that's okay. And, and like I said, I mean, some of our other most influential Christian leaders say things like that. I'll say, well, look, what I'm saying is, is that a, a same-sex marriage, that that's just not God's best. They, they, they try to do anything they can do except for say it, and it filters down to where you get Christian artists. How do you expect some 23-year-old worship leader to have any idea what they're supposed to say? So I find it really uber frustrating, and, and all this goes back to, to me. I just think if I think we would see a revival. I'm talking full turn America upside down, New Testament style upside down. If Christians in America would just get dead serious about holiness, Mm. I honestly, I honestly, I think that that's all. I don't think, I don't think that the reason we don't see revival is because the devil's He's just too powerful. I do not believe he was in me is greater than he was in the world. The devil is no match for the Holy Spirit filled bride of Christ. No match mm-hmm. at all. So, mm-hmm. 
I do not think it's because he just does his work too good. I do not think it's because, John, you don't understand the power of the atheist left and they're getting our kids in kindergarten. That is true, by the way. But Mm -hmm. it's not about changing that. It's about the church going, we're going to be so dead serious about holiness that we are going to become the light of the world. And I just Mm -hmm. do not think that they're I don't think the kingdom of darkness is any match for the kingdom of light. I just think that we don't believe that holiness matters that much. I don't even Mm. think we even have to see not one more person born again, just the people now who say they're Christians. We would turn this country so upside down and it would then change the way that people think about justice, change the Mm -hmm. way people think about the unborn. You know, for something like 47% of abortions are are repeat customers. I don't know if people know that or not. It would wow. change the way we think about abortion. It would change the way we think about sexuality. It would change the way we think about pornography. I mean, the truth is most Christians don't even think the, these things are even that offensive anymore. Even if they hold to it, yeah. they go, yeah, I know we're not supposed to watch pornography, but they, but they don't have a visceral, that is disgusting. How could you do that? They don't have that anymore because we are so utterly desensitized and because it's so rampant in the church. So I got to tell you, I don't care what the devil's doing. I just care what the church is doing. That's so good, man. That was a good sermon there. I think what you're saying is spot on. I think this is one thing I I talk about quite a bit because you hear so much in culture about me, 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 authenticity. I want to be my most authentic self. I want to do this. And I think enough of that. We want to be holy, like God is holy. We want to be like him. We want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind every day, continuing on that sanctification process, being made more like Christ every single day. And we can't do that if we're just so focused on our own thoughts and desires. And I think that's even too, um, the Christian music has become so me-centered. It's become so, even, even a lot of the worship music, sadly, has become Um, I I did a a live stream the other day where I was talking about, it's not wrong to mention yourself in a song. I mean, Amazing Grace says, I saved a wretch like me. I mean, it talks about myself, but I think the difference between maybe something like that and what we see in so much of the Christian music industry today is that it's really, it's so much about me. It's about how I feel when I'm worshiping. It's about how I feel when I talk to Jesus or how I feel when I read the word. Let's stop with that and let's let's extol the virtues of God. And the point I made in the live stream is that if we could just shift the way we think about worship and and stop thinking of uh, thinking of it as we're going to have a worship experience, we're going to come and experience something. I mean, hopefully you will. You'll have a great experience if you're extolling the virtues of God in song, but make it about the worship. And that way, whether you get a good experience out of it or not, God is still praised and you have still worshiped him, which is what you were made for. That's literally what you were made for is to worship God. And sometimes, you know, your feelings align with it, line up with it and sometimes they won't, but it's been a, a great source of freedom to me to know that no matter how I feel about it, it's true and who God is, is true. And I can always sing that. I Everybody in the church can sing that. Whereas we might feel differently subjectively. I might have a different feeling than somebody else, but we can all congregationally sing about who God is. And, you know, you mentioned something earlier that I'm hoping I, oh, the freedom, I wrote it down. You, you mentioned, you know, that there's this like this freedom people experience when they cast off moral restraint. And I relate with that because back when, I was first going into my progressive church. This was over 10 years ago, right before my faith crisis that happened in the progressive church. I experienced a little bit of that. 
quote unquote freedom. It's not freedom, it's bondage, but it feels like freedom because you're like, oh man, my whole life, maybe you've been under a bunch of legalism, or maybe, you know, you've had people say things to you that are not nice or whatever it might be. And you feel like, oh, if I could just release all moral restraints and just live how I want to live and know that God still loves me and, I, and he sees me and everything's fine, that feels like freedom, but it's actually not freedom because yeah, you're being freed from moral restrictions, but it's enslaving you to sin. Whereas when Christ sets us free, he sets us free from the bondage of sin, but that doesn't mean we're free to do whatever we want. That freedom in Christ means we are bond servants of Christ, which means we do his bidding, his will. We worship him with our lives, but that is what will bring us the most deep abiding joy because we'll be operating within the parameters of why we were actually made. And I think that's what's so egregious about what's happening with some of the Christian music industry, certainly not all of it. I don't, I don't want to exaggerate. Like we said, we've, we've got friends in the industry that are doing a great job, but it's difficult for them, I'm sure. I'm sure it's difficult to, because I even remember being back in the industry and, uh, you know, getting fought on certain lyrics. I, I had some lyrics that were scripture and they said, we can't quote scripture in the song. So we had to change that. And I was young and I did it. I shouldn't have done it, but I did it, you know, cause I'm young and who knows, I didn't know any better. I did know better, but I still did it. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, it's those slow little compromises though. And, and the machine is big and it's intimidating, but I think, you know, what I would just love to encourage every Christian who might be listening to this today is to just wake up, wake up. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if you lack discernment, if you lack wisdom, ask God for it and he will give it to you. Don't just get on a, a train because it's going somewhere. Big Eva is going somewhere. The music industry is going somewhere. The thing you need to be hitched to is God's word. God's word will never let you down. It is without error. You can see what they're doing, see what they're doing, measure it against scripture. And like John said, value the holiness of God. Really get back into that, that holiness. In fact, um, recently, John, I haven't posted this on my channel yet, but I got the had the privilege of interviewing Tim Challies, who is a just a wonderful blogger. He reviews a lot of books. And he was saying that there was a book he was recommending about the holiness of God. It's not J.C. Ryle. It was a different one. But he he said this would would cure so much of what's wrong with the Christian book industry is just to recapture the vision of God's holiness. And he was talking about books like The Shack and Jesus Calling. These books denigrate the holiness of God. And if we could recapture that, it would put a lot of things back into alignment. So, um, you know, my my listeners can be looking for that in the upcoming weeks. But, um, okay, I've talked long enough. Your turn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's a lot of great, really great points in that. You know, something I wish that I had written in a book, but I only just wrote it and it's too late. But I, I said the other day, here's a, here's a good way to say it. Um, well, actually, let, let me let me rewind. Let me rewind just a little bit. Part of what's different now in culture than than I think what it was ten even ten years ago. Even ten years ago, we were still in a culture very that was very Christianized. So so if you weren't a Christian, if you were an atheist, right, you could even be anti-Christian, but still hold a lot of the same views of morality as a Christian person right. did. Right. Yeah. And so being in a band then, sorry, being in a Christian band then wasn't really, it wasn't that difficult. You know what I mean? Because you could sort of, you could sort of say what you wanted to say coming from your, your Christian perspective. And it wasn't like you're going to be all that hated. I mean, maybe some people, but not that many, because in general, they're sort of like, 
yeah, I can, I can see where you're coming from. I, right. it's, it's no big deal. What has happened now, the culture has so swiftly in the last 10 years become so against Christ, it has become so atheistic, and we have really uh, exchanged uh, uh, the, the biblical God, okay, Jesus. We've taken Jesus out of the forefront. I think it would be fair to say we've put social justice as a God, mm -hmm. LG, LGBT, sure. things like yes. that. So now as a Christian, if you want to say something Christianly, you are going to get hammered. You are going to get so pummeled, not just by the world, but by a portion of your Christian fans. And they mm -hmm. truly believe that they are standing up for Christ by pummeling you for saying something That's that right. everybody kind of used to know. So all of a sudden what you're seeing, and this is what I said, I wish I'd written in a book. We have a lot of Christian artists unashamed to say the name of Christ but absolutely ashamed of his character. That's a good quote. I wish I That's wrote That's a book. good quote. Absolutely ashamed of the character of God. You mean I have to believe that God would send someone to hell, eternal judgment? Who is God to gatekeep? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, who, who you I have to believe that? Are you telling me I have to believe that I mean, I don't know. You you pick it. You pick anything. Where we're talking about sexuality, somebody that's born with these feelings of choose choose your sexual you know situation, um, these feelings of of same sex attraction or whatever it may be. You're telling me that I have to say to them, I'm sorry, you can't be who you were born to be. All of a sudden, they're like, I I, I don't know how I'm going to stand up for this God because truthfully. I'm not comfortable with that God, but I'm very comfortable with the Jesus that makes me feel good. I'm very comfortable with a Jesus that that loves everybody. And it's all about me and my feel feels, which is kind of what you were saying earlier. And so I think that that is what has made worship music so viable. As long as your worship music is all about the me and all about the way Jesus makes me feel good and how he loves everybody. And it's not about the character of God because we don't really like the character of God so much mm. anymore. Then there's a huge audience and you might even get invited to like the Ellen show and you mm. might get invited to the view, you know, like mm. I think of the, uh, the guy that used to pastor for Hillsong, New York, uh, that had Lance an affair. Carlins. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're cool and you're rock star guy. And when you get asked something like is abortion a sin, you could say, I, I want to get to know you. Everything mm -hmm. else is a conversation because I'm good looking. You know, I do sit-ups, you know. So then that's like its whole its whole thing. And we can get the world thinking that we're nice people and still, quote, stand for Jesus. And so I think what we're in is Christian musicians. I think that we just have to decide, do we love God or do we love someone else that we made up, as I mentioned earlier? with plum. Do I love Jesus or do I really just love myself as the perfect lover? The perfect counterpart, the perfect what I'm looking to is really just me, a transcendent version of myself. Or yeah. do I love God for who he is? Do I love his character? And I got a word for people today. If you do not love God's character, mm. then you don't actually love God. And we're not being mean but you don't actually love God. Yeah, it's good. To love God means to love who he is. It is to keep his commandments, 
not just because you go, oh, I really don't want to keep this one because I don't like that God did it, but I guess I have to. At that point, all that you're saying is that I wish God was different. I yeah. mean, it's good to obey, but it, th- what it means to love God is to love his ways. And if you don't love his ways, I got a word for you, church. You, you, uh, you, you or <laughs> I got a word for you. Maybe you're not a part of the church yet. Repent and be born again. Last thing I want to say about that. We are not trying to beat people up. No. Can I can I admit during my Christian life, probably still today, there are things that I'm sure I don't really like about God because I still have got a long way to go. It's not that we're saying we have it all right and everybody else has got it all wrong. I had tons of things. And when the Holy Spirit revealed to me, John, you're wrong about this. You're you're judging God. Woo! That that's when the fear of God comes mm-hmm. on you. So I think that. Part of this is, do you have a fear of God? And and I, I love uh, Ecclesiastes. After all this book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, so what is the end of all of this? How are we supposed to live in this depressing world? He goes, here's the end of all of it. Fear God, mm. keep his commandments. Yeah, so good, John. Oh, that's that's so good. And I think my heart for Christians right now is to think about where your loyalty lies. Because listen, on a on a platform like this one or the music or whatever it might be, I'm always aware, oh, if I say this, I might lose some people. But if it's true and if it lines up with God's word, I'm going to stand before Jesus for whether or not I said it or didn't say it. And I think that it's it's something, you want to talk about real freedom. Real freedom is being true and loyal to God and his word no matter what. Because then you know that when it's all said and done, you're going to stand before your judge, just you and Jesus. And that's when you give account for it. And I think that this scripture has just been in my heart. Woe to you when all people speak well of you. For so did their father, so their fathers did to the false prophets. And if you look at the false prophets from the Old Testament, they were the ones always saying, it's fine, peace, peace. You know, it's all going to be fine. No, God's not going to judge you. It's not going to be, there's no, there's no negativity in this space. It's all positive. It's good. You know, just, it's all <laughs> going to be just fine. And listen, nobody ever got, you know, martyred for, for that message. Right. I, I think I said in my book, live your truth and other lies. If you think you're being prophetic and, and yet everybody loves you, they killed the prophets. If you're, if you're really speaking truth, people are not going to like it. And so what I hope, and I'm sure I don't do this perfectly, but what my hope is, what I wake up every morning and seek to do is to tell the truth, be faithful to God and his word and his ways and the gospel. And maybe that's going to lose half my audience one day, but ultimately that doesn't matter because that's a place of freedom to be in because it's in God's hands. And I think that that's the thing that concerns me so much with all of these big kind of conglomerates coming out, whether it be music or Big Eva or whatever it might be, people's loyalties might be a little bit divided and it might be a good opportunity for us as Christians to rethink where is our loyalty? Where is your number one loyalty? Because sadly, I think when maybe a well-meaning pastor who's really a brother in Christ, but maybe you know says something dumb like that, and I'm gonna say something dumb and you're gonna say something dumb, we're all gonna do that. But, but when it's something so egregiously against God's word, you have to think is the loyalty to God's word or to the organization? Like, am I a company man or am I a Jesus man? And I think that um, we, I agree with you. If we could just recapture and reclaim that awareness and fear of God and the holiness of God, it would revolutionize everything. 
And it's going to take the average Christian doing that because the businesses and the conglomerates and all the big platforms and things, um, they're doing what they're doing. And I don't know where they're going to go, but I know where Jesus is going because we have his word, we have his revelation. So we can trust in that and love that word, John. That was so good. Just recapturing the fear of God and holiness. I love it. You know, and, and I wouldn't mind if if you don't mind, if I could take a moment to answer two fan comments uh, yeah. on my last week's podcast, because it, it's, it's a little pertinent. Um, and I thought they were really great questions. Uh, I think that we need uh, to make a distinction between worship music and what we just might call music or, mm, or art right. or in other words, what I do. And the reason I say that is because somebody said, yeah, G all right, John, or they could say to us right now, John, you and Elisa are talking about this worship music. It's all about me. All of your songs, John, <laughs> are about me. None of them right. about the holy character of God or something like that. And I think that I think that this was I think this is what made me so absolutely nervous in 2001, 2003, five, when all this worship music was beginning to become ubiquitous and Christian, I used to call it Christian contemporary music, CCM is what we used to call it. CCM was becoming worship music. And I was getting mm -hmm. really nervous because I was saying, okay, wait a minute. If I go see a Toby Mac show and Toby Mac's dancing, he's got his dancers, they have light machines everywhere. Or if people come see a skillet show and we're, we got fire on the stage and we're blowing stuff up and it might just be the best concert you've ever seen. Might just, might just um, be. You know, and people, well, that, that makes sense to me. We are not leading a worship night. This yeah. is not church. This is art and it's an expression of art and it's an event. It's fun. Not to mention, I think it's great. It's not just a great alternative for, for, for Christians to have something fun to go to that's not secular and disgusting. It's also great evangelism opportunity for people mm -hmm. to come to an event like this, and their parents are cool with it because you're not saying the F word. I mean, unless you're right. like a, a modern Christian band. Anyway, um, so they know what you're getting into. That is different. And so when the worship music started utilizing lights, in other words, when you can't tell what's a Toby Mac show and what's a worship show, it gets a little confusing mm. for me personally. I have, a, I have a hard time going, okay, wait a minute. What, what bucket are we putting this in? And all the worship leaders, are ju they just all happen to be the most beautiful people I've ever seen. They're all yeah, very handsome or very beautiful women. They're all super duper in shape and they've all got amazing clothes on. These are the people we all want to be. And again, I, I mean, I hate talking about the way somebody looks because I don't really care, yeah. but it starts to seem like there's something off. So I think we need to make yeah. distinctions. And if other people don't like this, I've got no judgment against you. If, you. if you're like, John, I think you're being a hypocrite. Doesn't matter to me. I'm just explaining my point of view. Mm -hmm. My second thing I want to answer is somebody said, John, you, uh, and I thought it was a great question. I appreciate it. John, you're, you're talking about Christians using the F word in their songs and it's not good, but skillet tours with bands that do say the F word all the time. They said, I came to your recent tour, brought my kid and this band was saying the F word and this and the other. So I just want to make this distinction. If I am on the stage with people who claim to be Christians, then I expect them to live like it. 
they are supposed to fulfill their nature and they have been given a divine nature, the Bible says. So it is not you that lives anymore. It's Christ that lives in you. So fulfill your nature. If I'm on stage with people who do not profess the name of Jesus, then I expect them to fulfill their nature. <laughs> and they have yeah. an, a natural earthly nature. They're doing what sinners do. And I can't control what they say. I personally see this as a form of evangelism. I see it as actually being light in the world, going and, and, and being a part of this, reaching people, I hope, for the gospel through the music. And so I would just say as a parent, I feel you. I would not want to go see Toby Mac with my little five-year-old. If Toby was sharing the stage with Beyonce or whoever, yeah. I would be like, okay, I'm not going to that show. Toby will come back on a Christian tour. And so I would just say to somebody, I appreciate your question. And I feel you. For me, I have two different kinds of buckets there. And um, we will come back on a Christian tour. And then you can bring your son. That's good. That's good. I want to piggyback on something you said about, I know you said you don't want to pick on the way people look, but I do have some thoughts on this because uh, as I travel around and go to different churches, I, I experience a lot of different worship teams. And I, honestly, Mike and I just, uh, I just spoke at this church in um, Pensacola, and it was the sweetest worship. It was all ages. I mean, from from young to very, very old. And it was just people singing, glorifying God. I loved it. But a lot of times in churches, and this is just something I would, if there's any worship pastors listening to us or pastors, this is just something I would ask you to think about and just, just consider, right? This is, I know how hard it is to back up from where things are at and how to change is difficult and takes time. I get all that. This is just something I would ask you to consider and just think about. If the worship, the music portion of the worship is only applicable and only able to be performed by people of a certain age group. I, I would just say, let's think about if that's even representative of the way that God would have us do this. I, I go to churches where the way the music is, the way that they're, the worship team is meant to behave, it wouldn't work no matter how cool you are if you're 60 years old. There's no way that you could be up there with that group. And that doesn't seem right to me. I, I think that when we're coming to to Christ in music, everything we're doing should be to glorify God, and that shouldn't be limited to just one very small demographic. So that's all I'll say. Just something to think about, chew on, pray about. Um, maybe we're doing it wrong. That's all I'm saying. Maybe <laughs> we're doing it wrong. <laughs> that is such a... I, you know, I've, I've... I don't know if I've ever thought about it, but it's a really interesting point. I do think that worship is one of those things that we, uh, I mean, there's, we could do four episodes on just that. And, and I wouldn't even think that I have much good to say about it, to tell you the truth. There is so many things to keep in tension in this conversation. And people are always keeping this tension of, uh, of the pendulum, you know, legalism versus mm -hmm freedom, you know, like, oh, liberty to do whatever. And then there's this and, you know, like, uh, I remember somebody like, I don't, I don't think we should have people on stage with, with holes in their jeans. It, it just looks so, I don't remember the word they said, but in other words, they were really bothered by the holes in the jeans. And I had never considered that because yeah. I, to me, I, I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm, uh, is that what we're into now? We're into the way that people <laughs> I thought right. we're not, not into the way people look, you know, but I, I get what they're saying. And it's one of these really interesting things. And, and not only that, but just to tag on top of it. So we just make everybody stressed out. Yeah. Also, 
when we're talking about all the multi-ethnic stuff, you know, there's all the mm -hmm. multi-ethnic church conversation, we have the social justice issue, the issue of representation. These are huge church issues. And so, well, maybe that's an issue of getting different styles in and this, but all of a sudden you're trying to force yourself to do a style of music that maybe doesn't come naturally to you that comes yeah. with a different kind of ethnic group. And now you're culturally appropriating someone else's thing. And then all of this is really difficult. I was reading recently thinking for the first time in my entire life la last week, maybe the Puritans had it right. Maybe we shouldn't have any music in church. <laughs> no, I've thought about that too, John. Like maybe we should just stop for a minute. Let's just stop and start over. Let's just stop this. And then maybe we can start with one guitar and then start adding, but then we'd end up where we are today. So there's, I don't know the answer, but you know, because there's this tension between you want people to be able to use their gifts. I mean, people have amazing, tremendous gifts as lighting technicians and uh, sound people. And, you know, it's like, at what point, what's the line? I think, as I think about it, it's just as long as what everybody's doing is pointing this way. And yeah. if the lights become distracting, then that's no longer pointing that way. And I think that honestly, the more skilled somebody is at some of these things, the more simple they're able to make it and still be very impactful and beautiful. So yeah, there's all those questions. I mean, sometimes I'm like, just put a guy up there with a guitar and no microphone, but then you're like, but then people in the back can't hear him. So you got to do a microphone, but then he's got to hear himself. So you got to do a monitor. Let it be nice with some piano. Then you just start adding and then he just gets to the big thing again. So I don't know the answer. I don't have the answer, but I do know that it, we have, we need to glorify God and not glorify ourselves at the yeah. very least. I think that's a great point. <laughs> we yeah. glorify God and not glorify ourselves. You know, I, I really, I mean, look, I go to um, uh, my most Cooper stuff. People know a screaming, shouting, jumping church. I love all of it. Worship. I love it. But I do think that, that, w that modern church, no matter which side of this kind of, I don't say, say no matter which side, but I do think the contemporary church at large, whether it's hyper charismatic or whether it's more contemporary-ish, whatever. I do think we've gotten away from what I understand the historic church believing was really the pinnacle of worship, which is the preaching of the word of God. Mm -hmm. I don't think we really believe that anymore. I think we mm -hmm. think the pre preaching is the part we have to sit through because we've already kind of met with God. Mm -hmm. We experienced him already. I kind of got what I need from the Lord and you wow. can talk if you want to. So, and the historic church used to say, the pinnacle of the day is the preaching of the word. It's the reason that traditional churches, uh, and I don't go to a traditional church, and I wish that we did this, which we don't. Traditional churches stand up when the word of God is, is spoken. Yeah. We're, we're going to read from Galatians 1, verse 5 through 6, stand up as out of respect for the word of God. And, and it gives people a, a focusing point. This is something mm -hmm. we pay attention to. I think that's a real, I just think it's a tragedy. Mm, it's good stuff. We've talked a long time. Yes, we had a lot of fun here. Yeah. So I, I just want to say for my audience, um, thank you so much for tuning in. And again, if you want to download the music, it comes out October 24th. You can go to elisachillers.com slash music. Um, I'm not going to be talking about the music a lot on this platform. So you have to follow on those social pages, Instagram and Facebook, at Elisa Childers Music and YouTube as well. Um, but, you know, I what I'm trying to do with this, John, is not just whine about it, but try to be a part of the solution. <laughs> so that's another reason we we went ahead and pulled the trigger on this. And like you said, you know, primarily I don't tend to write congregational worship music. It's more of the sort of life songs. 
Um, but my prayer is that not that it will go big, but it will go deep with the people who do listen to it. So um, trying to be a part of the solution. I love it. I think it's wonderful. I'd love to end with an encouragement. This is way off subject, but for parents who uh, are listening, going, what? Oh, I got kids and now they're stressed out about worship. I got yeah. a really a simple, wonderful challenge for you. And it would just be this with your kids. Um, I did this with my kids and I think it's probably the best thing I ever did. Honestly, whatever worship songs you sing at church, whether it's hymns, whether it's contemporary, whatever it is, do this, take a look at the words and, and, and explain what the songs mean to your children. Good. It is the best thing that you can do because a lot of times what we'll find is that a lot of Christian people, we sing the words, but we're not exactly sure what they all mean, or we may have a, a very surface level of what they mean, but as we look into it, we go, oh my gosh, I didn't know that's what it meant. And if you challenge yourself to do that, you're going to learn something probably really great about the Lord. And then you can teach your kids that. And then it won't really matter what style it is so much. It won't really matter because you, you will enjoy the singing something that's true to the Lord. So that's my encouraging challenge to people. And one last encouragement. I got contacted by two Christian artists this week who were like, hey, I heard the podcast. I want to be involved in this resistance against what's going on. Praise God. There are the Christian artists that are like, I, I believe this. I just don't know what to do. So yeah. pray for those people. Pray, yes. Everybody pray for the Christian artists that you listen to. Pray for the ones who have deconstructed. I, I, that When I go out and walk, I pray for people that I criticize. I do. I pray for them by name because I want my heart to stay soft toward these people. But also I want to go to war against the ideas that are trying to ensnare people and take their faith away and lead them away from Christ. So, John, thanks. Thanks for having this discussion today. It was fun. Great chatting with you.